<laughs> Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, hello and welcome back to a long-awaited episode of Five Stars and That's No Moon. I'm here with Jed. Hello, Jed. Hi, Azmi. Long-awaited by like two and a half people, three and a half people. <laughs> If you're still here, thank you so much and Happy New Year. This is our first episode in the year 2022, and hopefully, uh, the first of many. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And happy New Year to you, Jed. Thank and you. Of, yeah. Yes, There's a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff coming this year. So yeah. yes, I'm. I'm so excited. The first one, of course, is the book of Boba Fett, which um, went online last week, last Wednesday, right? Twenty ninth of December. Yes, we're cracking open the book. So, the book of Boba Fett. Is I think taking the place of what most people were expecting would have been the Mandalorian season three. So at the end of Mandalorian season two, there's a little post-credit spit where Boba goes in to see Bib Fortuna together with Fennec Shand, and then shoots Bib Fortuna and goes and sits on a throne. And so then there's a little thing at the end that says, "Coming in 2021, the Book of Boba Fett," and people are like, "Huh? Is that the?" Third season of Mandalorian is that what it's called? But it's not. It's Boba Fett's only little spin-off series, and yeah. So the first thing to start with, I guess, is Azmi. What do you think of Boba Fett as a character? What is kind of your background with Boba Fett? My background with Boba Fett, of course, is uh, in Return of the Jedi. I mean, I I don't count in Empire Strikes Back because that's that he doesn't have much of a screen time. He's just like he's uh, around in the bridge of the executor, was it the executor? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with uh, other bounty hunters um, to do uh, Darth Vader's bidding, right? Yeah, that's in Empire Strikes Back to uh, capture Han Solo, but uh, I actually liked him more in Return of the Jedi because of his uh, jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that's interesting to me about the Boba Fett character is that I feel right. He is basically the first example of in Star Wars that kind of elevated background character thing, which now Star Wars is so full of. I feel like Boba Fett is the first real example of that, where it was somebody who was cool in the background and didn't have a lot of uh, plot or story in the text itself, but everyone was kind of going, "Who is that guy? What's his deal?" And I think since then, Star Wars has had so many characters like that. But I would consider Boba Fett to be the first, at least among the first, of that type of character. Yes, I agree. And of course, obviously, um, the first uh, iteration of uh, Boba Fett was uh, the white armor. The prototype Boba Fett is supposed to be the stormtroopers, right? Right. Yeah, I just watched the documentary that's also on Disney Plus now, and he was designed by Joe Johnston with Ralph McQuarrie. And the concept, the original concept behind Boba Fett was that he was going to be part of an elite squadron of stormtroopers called the Super Troopers. Super Trooper, <laughs> lights are gonna find you anymore, and Abba will sue. So I'll stop here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and and the idea was after they built the prototype armor, they were like, we do not have the money to do one hundred of these. Yeah. So he's not gonna be a stormtrooper. Why don't we make him a bounty hunter? And then that 
led to them hitting it with silver paint and then all of the other colors that go on. And I think Boba Fett is one of those characters where really the design is so striking. It's doing so much work. And a lot of it is the T-Visor, like it's pointed out in that documentary that the T-Visor has a very medieval kind of feel to it. And the whole thing is that you don't see his face, right? And so you can kind of imagine like what's up with him. And, and I think even in a meta sense, part of the mystique of Boba Fett was the rocket-firing Boba Fett action figure that everyone thought we were supposed to get this Kenner figure that had a functionality of shooting the rocket. Ah, yeah, but then um, I think uh, it's because of a safety issue with children. I think they discontinued after the first round of uh, giveaways. Yeah, so now like an actual rocket-firing Boba Fett, one of those prototypes that was made by Kenner can fetch like hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and if I'm not wrong, the specific toy that led to rocket firing Boba Fett losing that functionality was a Battlestar Galactica Viper. Like a missile got lodged in a kid's throat and mm. a kid died from that. And that was why when Boba Fett actually got mailed out, the rocket was glued in. And yeah. I, I think like the first appearance of Boba Fett, even before Empire Strikes Back, was in this short animated section of the holiday special. Yes, riding a dinosaur. special, yeah. one of the best um, uh, Star Wars uh, iterations on, on screen. Yes, definitely like one that very many people hold dear <laughs> and that George Lucas is especially proud of. But I think it was, it was interesting because a lot of those ideas, like him holding the, the, the blaster, like with the prongs at the end, like that eventually comes back in Mandalorian. And I think like, there's so many kind of seeds that were planted. And to me, the interesting thing is I, and I don't know a lot about this, but I wonder how much material there was in the expanded universe outside of the films about Boba Fett in novels and things like that before uh, mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones, before it was confirmed in canon that he is the clone son of Jango Fett, all of that backstory came in. Because I'm sure there were attempts to give him kind of a backstory before that was canon, right? Um, yes, you're right. Um, actually, there were not really much a backstory as in who Boba Fett was. Um, it's rather of uh, who Boba Fett is at the the continuity after Return of the Jedi in the expanded universe. So right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like uh, they have like a whole story spanning um, uh, many many years. How Boba Fett became uh, Mandalore. Uh, how Boba Fett has a has a family and even trained um, one of uh, Han Solo's children. So, and that's all stuff that was in the material before we confirmed that uh, he's the son of Jango Fett and before Jango Fett existed as a character. So I, I think that's very interesting because I think that Boba Fett has always been someone that people were very fascinated with. And like the idea of a character who apparently dies in the movie and then mm -hmm. comes back. Like, the biggest example of that, I would guess, is Darth Maul. But yep. Boba Fett did it first, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one's ever really gone. No one's ever right? really gone. I, I, as long as there are toys to be made, no one's ever really yes, gone. Yes, that's right. And also, um, <laughs> okay, we, we, we're going back into the, the actual show itself. Yeah, uh, this Bo leads Bo us, Bo like, the Salak escape thing leads us into... Yes, the, the Salak escape is actually, um, it was actually in the expanded universe. Uh, we learned that uh, Boba Fett escaped the uh, Salak pit. I mean, uh, readers of the Expanded Universe will will know that. Um, I mean, obviously, when when we saw Boba Fett in the Mandalorian, it's obviously that he escapes the Salak pit, right? And then he survives. 
because we already know that, but it's not made canon yet. Yeah, it's not been literally depicted, but yeah. obviously he has had to have had climbed out of there. Otherwise, how is he running around with me now? When? So, um, so we see Boba Fett um, in his uh, Bekta Tang chamber uh, in Jabba's palace, or now his palace, um, and then we see. Uh, and then we he gets he he gets uh flashbacks while he was in the Bekta Tang, right? And one of the flashback is that um, he he was having nightmares of how he escaped the Salak pit and how he survived after that. His armor got stolen by Jawas and then the Tusken Raiders um, captured him, made him uh, their slave, basically. Yeah, so all of this stuff, we were kind of building up to it in Season 2 of The Mandalorian because you saw Cop Vanth wear the armor. And the whole thing is, where did he get the armor from? And then Boba Fett comes to... The Mandalorian comes to Din Djarin and says, I want the armor. And Din Djarin is like, you'll have to pry it off of my dead body. He's like, no, not your armor, my armor. And so there's this whole thing of what happened in the intervening... like Because it's set about five years after Return of the Jedi, right? So what happened then? And, and the interesting thing about this in the metafictional sense in the real world is that now Tamura Morrison has caught up in age that having played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones like 20 years ago, now he mm-hmm. can play Boba Fett uh, at the age that Boba Fett would have been after Return of the Jedi. And that, I think, is very interesting. And and I'm sure it wasn't something that he had counted on back when he was making Attack of the Clones. And it's fun because Tamara Morrison is the father of Boba Fett, Moana, and Aquaman. So that's pretty cool. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so the... the the metaverse is happening. Yeah, into into the Tamura <laughs> Morrison verse. <laughs> I don't I don't want to get into like the specifics of what happened in the first episode of uh, Book of Boba Fett. I just want to know what what are your thoughts on the first episode? What do you think of it? Yeah, so I the prevailing thing I've been hearing is that a lot of people have found it underwhelming, and I including feel me. Like understandable and I think part of it is that Robert Rodriguez was hyping it up right he was saying oh it's gonna blow everyone's mind it's gonna be the greatest thing you've ever seen but also part of it is that I think The Mandalorian was something that really was so thrilling for a lot of people that we hadn't seen Star Wars in that form and that way do those things in live action for a while and people were hoping that the Book of Boba Fett would build off of that hype and it doesn't really in the sense that this first episode is very spare it's very spare by design. It's definitely going back to that samurai, that Western kind of feel. And a big thing for me is that I don't think Boba Fett should talk a lot because mm-hmm. his whole deal is he had so few lines in the original trilogy. And so he's, he's a man of few words and you want to kind of keep that mystique. And I think another problem that a lot of people had was that they perceived this, and I don't know if this is where we're going, but they perceive it as a redemption arc that Boba Fett is depicted heroically when his whole thing is that he was very immoral. It was whoever had the money was who he would answer to in the original trilogy. So some people have labeled that a Disneyfication of Boba Fett. But I feel like there's not enough to go off of just on this first episode. I think my expectations were not sky high because I was already viewing this as an appendix to The Mandalorian. Mm. I'm not really looking at it as even its own show. Because it's like yeah. it's like a six episode coda to The Mandalorian for me, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think um, 
Well, the only way it can go is up right now, right? I mean, it's a, uh, it's quite uh it's basically laying down the the plans for what's going to happen in the next five episodes. I'm, I mean, I can I can already see like, I mean, because of uh reading other materials uh in Star Wars like the comic books, uh, novels, even in current continuity. Like you see, um, even in the trailer, we see this um, unknown female riding a speeder bike with a mechanical. What is your pet theory? Arm. Tell everyone about your pet theory. <laughs> <laughs> My fan theory is that um, this this person, this female, is Arden Lin from Masters of Terrascasi. <laughs> Tell everyone what Masters of Terrascasi is. <laughs> Masters Terrascasi is a video game, a fighting video game in the mall of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. So it's basically like 2D. It's actually not really 2D, but it looks like uh, yeah. <laughs> 2.5D. Um, side-scrolling fighting game. Um, basically, Arden Lane is one of the characters um, who fights... Using Terrascasi, basically like fists and legs, and she has. But in the in the video game, Arden Lin has a mechanical right arm. But in the trailer, we see that this this female has a mechanical left arm. But who knows? Maybe they switch. <laughs> they switch it around, right? They flip it to just to just to throw us off. Is is this that. your personal Mephisto? This is your Mephisto now. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, I, like, I remember how I excited you true. were. Yes, I remember how excited you were when Taras Kasi was name dropped in Han Solo. In yes, uh, Solo Star Wars. Solo, Star. yes, yeah. yes. Because yes. Amelia Clark, right? Kira says that she, she learned Taras Kasi. Yeah, so my fan theory goes on that if that is Arden Lin and that and Taras Kasi is already established in canon. Uh, this character could pros- possibly be Arden Lin and she could possibly be working for Kira of Crimson Dawn. Right, yeah, because there's like a band of ninjas that wear red in, yes. in the first episode and your theory is that, that they could possibly be agents of Crimson Dawn. Yes, and they look similarly to the comics. Uh, I mean, uh, in the comics, they, they, they were drawn almost similar to to what we see in the book of Boba Fett, the bunch of ninjas that 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 ambushes Boba Fett and Fennec Shen. And the whole thing about Boba Fett and the bounty hunters is that kind of criminal underworld of all these syndicates. And I feel like it would be a great idea to bring in those syndicates like Crimson Dawn, like Black Sun, and have that interplay because, you know, I mean... Star Wars Underworld was one of those things that we were going to get that we didn't ultimately get, right? And that's what mm-hmm. the... That was the first iteration of what would have been the live-action TV series, Star Wars yep, Underworld. Right. And yep. they, they wrote like 100 episodes and nothing really came of it. And I feel like The Mandalorian was them getting close to some of the ideas that were planned for it. And then mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett is them getting a bit further into that because it's going to be him as a crime lord, but it's like, how criminal is he going to be? Because already in the first episode, you see that he doesn't want to kill people and Fennec Shan wants to mm. kill people. And he's like, I, I'm going to rule with respect. I'm not going to rule with fear. And a lot of people are like, oh no, he's been nerfed. He's lame now. But I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think like 
the thing about something like Star Wars is when you have a character like a Boba Fett, everybody already has kind of an idea of who they are in their head. And then they kind of take yep. bits and pieces of the different material that exists, whether it's canon or not, and forming a synthesis in their mind, this is who Boba Fett is. So maybe they're pulling a piece of a Dark Horse comic here. They're pulling a piece of like the junior mm-hmm. novel, the one where he's running around with Aura Singh there. <laughs> and then in their mind, it's like, okay, this is my hit canon of Boba Fett. And then anything that might challenge that in this show, people might be resistant to. But okay, uh, you know, I, I think I like that it is a very cinematic first episode. I'll be upfront. I'm not a fan of Robert Rodriguez very much as a filmmaker. I feel like Robert Rodriguez, like his thing is the gimmick that he made movies from nothing, that he made movies from like $6,000. Like he borrowed a French samurai helmet, uh, the rebel without a crew, rebel without a film crew. And then since then, when he has like a lot more resources and stuff like that, I, I felt like that hasn't necessarily always been a good thing for him. Like, I'm not a humongous fan of, say, um, the Alita Battle Angel, right? I think, like, that was him having too many toys to play with, perhaps. But <laughs> but I like this episode a lot more than the episode that he directed for Mandalorian uh, Season 2, which was the Boba Fett introduction episode. The one where he's whacking the Stormtroopers on the head with the gaffy stick. So that was mm. a Robert Rodriguez episode. And there's one bit in this episode that I really, really like. And that is the uh, battle with the monster. The ah, forearm yes. kind of monster because that reminded me so much of like a Ray Harryhausen style creature. Like it was very, uh, it deliberately evocative of stop motion. Mm, and yes. if I'm, I've seen this theory float around, which I believe I think is very plausible, that that is an homage to a, a Thark from John Carter of Mars, because there was an, a very very early iteration of the John mm. Carter movie that Robert Rodriguez was attached to. Ah. And then John Favreau as well after that. Before it eventually was directed by Andrew Stanton and we got the 2012 uh, Disney John Carter movie. And a Thark is like a reptilian forearm humanoid yep. monster I mean, character. It, yeah. it makes sense. Uh, I can see that. And also, uh, it really does uh, look like a Thark. Yeah, if it looks like a Thark, if it smells like a Thark, then, then it is a Thark. It is a Thark. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I think like a lot of the stuff that I liked, the stuff with him and the Tuscan Raiders, is that it was all very non-verbal. It was all mm. very physical and gestural, and you conveyed a lot in their movements. And, and I also really love the massives. I think the massives in, in this episode look really good. They look yeah, photo they, they, they look like they're yeah, occupying yeah, yeah. the space, yeah. They look even better than, than in uh, episode 2, like uh, Attack of the Clones. Right, and one of my favorite moments in The Mandalorian is when uh, Din Djarin gives a massive hit Scritches. Like, he, like, goes and gives it, like, Scritches its neck, and I think it's really <laughs> yeah. cute. Yeah. Friend to all animals, Din Djarin. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I think... what. So, what are your expectations of... And this is, a, again, a dangerous thing to dabble with but where do you think it's gonna go right where do you think this is gonna lead do you think we're gonna see characters from the mandalorian show up beyond whoever has already been in this uh i don't know um what i want from book of boba fett is uh basically crimson dawn kira arden lynn Right, yeah, because I if, mean, they, if they do Kira, then they have to, like, digitally age or do makeup on Amelia Clark, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not too far-fetched of an idea. Maybe she could be, like, um, be in a hologram or something. We don't really get to see her in full form. We don't get to see her in the flesh. It's fine. I mean, 
I mean, we, at least we can connect things. What what uh, Amelia uh, Amelia Clark's character has been doing since we see we last see her in Solo. Right, right. and I ma- I mainly want a lot more of Jennifer Beals as like the <laughs> uh, the the Twi'lek boss lady, Jennifer Beals ah. from Flashdance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm the, I think like the the kind of cantina vibe that you're bringing back. Who who is it? Is it Max Rebo? Is Max Rebo back? Yes, somehow Max right? Rebo. Right, somehow returns. Max Rebo returned. <laughs> <laughs> Did he didn't die on Java's ship? Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I I love this meme where it's <laughs> it's the picture of Max Rebo in the book of Boba Fett, and then the second panel is Stoic the Vast and How to Train Your Dragon going. You're as beautiful as the day I lost you. It <laughs> 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 was a very bad Jared Butler impression. I can only do a real Jared Butler impression when I'm singing music of the night. <laughs> so deadly, deadly. <laughs> I apologize to all our Scottish listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, so. Wow, I mean, like, um, okay. Other than that, maybe I would want like a, like a more flashbacks to what, how he got to find uh, Fennec Shen in the Dune Sea, and maybe a little bit of uh, Fennec Shen's uh, backstory as well, because the only. Time we see her outside of the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett is in um, the Bad Batch, Bad Batch. so yeah. far, yeah. And the the interesting thing about this, right, is that I feel like she is basically kind of his version of Zam Wessel, like the the helmet mm-hmm. shape and everything, yep. and uh, the karma that she's wearing as well. I really like the Fennec Shen costume design with the orange on the inside of the mm. of the karma of the skirt that she has. I think it's a cool look. But yeah, I think Fennec Shan is a character who hasn't really been given a lot of detail, hasn't really been fleshed out a lot yet. And it would be great to know how they came to meet each other. And yeah, the, when she appeared to die in The Mandalorian and then mm. a mysterious figure comes and rescues her in the desert. And at that time, it was theorized that it was Boba Fett, but it wasn't confirmed. And I realized this right, because they played the clip again in the Boba Fett documentary. And when you see him walk, you hear the spurs. And this yes, is a clicking right, of the spurs, yeah, right? Yeah. And this is a thing, this is a detail that was like as a joke. It was a joke that, oh, he's a gunslinger, he's a cowboy, why not we have spurs? And then it just that just became a thing that happens in Boba Fett walks around now. Yeah. Which is a lot actually, of fun. Actually actually when Din walks also you can hear the clinking of the spurs as well. So it's become like a Mandalorian thing. Yeah, exactly. Neat. Yeah. Be- because like do is there a component of the boots that could make that noise? I have no <laughs> idea. I mean, like, I think it's basically like already like um, ingrained to be part of of canon. That part of the time, language, right? Yeah. yeah. Every time a Mandalorian walks, uh, you can hear the uh, spurs clinking, even though there's, there are no spurs. <laughs> and, and I think the thing that's fun is, you know, in the Mandalorian, we finally got to see all of the gear. We got to see the uh, the the knee pad rockets. Yeah. And all the assorted stuff which is hinted at that we don't actually see him use. Uh, and I hope there's more gear in Book of Boba Fett, that there's more stuff that he uses. I, I want to see him like hang from the uh, the slave, the Boba Fett starship and <laughs> just a dangling <laughs> Boba Fett starship trademark. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it has a, it's a gyro thing. That's my favorite keeps- Star Wars ship. You know the, yeah, the, yeah. the slave one is my favorite Star Wars ship ever. So just yeah. to see it like 
roar across the sky is it, again. Is it, is it still called Slave One? That's the thing, right? Because they have... <laughs> I think the only time they've referred to it by name on screen is somewhere in Clone Wars or in Rebels, right? Yes, There's, that's right. Because in the films, in The Mandalorian, uh, they don't call it that. They don't call the ship a Slave One. They don't. And they didn't even call it... I mean, I mean, it's basically the same ship that Jango Fett has. Yeah. Uh, a fire spray class. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fire spray class. So even even in in Attack of the Clones, in Attack of the Clones, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll see what happens with that, and I I think that's such an important part of the iconography of Boba Fett is the ship, and I do want kind of an episode that is like the story of the ship that is a lot of flashbacks to him, maybe like as a kid repainting I, it. I also want another like, seismic charge. Ah, oh, the seismic charge stuff, that's so good, right? Yeah, that was one of those wonderful little callback moments in The Mandalorian. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much and stuff that they could do I, with it. I remember watching Attack of the Clones in the cinema, and I was like, and then Jango Fett released the seismic charge on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was like, I was like whoa, that is so cool, the sound. Yeah, the, the, sound the lack of sound. Is, wow. The sound design in Attack of the Clones is a lot of fun. There's one thing that I noticed. I mean, I didn't notice it by myself, but it was pointed out in the commentary that when you see the thunder, or when you hear the thunder, rather, on Kamino, it's mm. delayed. So you see the lightning yeah, first, yeah, and then yeah. you hear the thunder. I, and that's I, how it is in real life, but it's I not how it is in movies. I actually noticed that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, I also noticed, because I've been um, re-watching Bad Batch uh, with my son, Luke. Um, we actually now on the second, we just finished. And we're recording this episode. on Luke's first day of school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on fourth of Jan. How how is it? How how did he do? How's everything? Uh, he's he's actually excited. Uh, he he wanted he he wanted us like as in me and my wife to ask him questions about uh, his first day of school. We'll what, see how long the excitement lasts. Uh, knowing <laughs> the Singapore education system. Not oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of maybe which I am years. a victim. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe two maybe two years because no exams <laughs> for the first two years, right? Oh, is that how it is now? Interesting. Yes. Okay, uh, I, so I there's no that. no exams for primary ones and primary twos. <laughs> yeah, this is the riveting Star Wars related content <laughs> that our listeners tune in it's, for. It's, it's related <laughs> because my son's name is Luke. So yeah, your son's name yeah. is Luke Anakin. Yeah, isn't that neat? <laughs> yeah, that's that's badass. But I mean, so. So yeah. yeah, back to um, the thunder on Camino. I was rewatching Bad Batch with Luke, uh, and I also noticed that the thunder is delayed after the lightning, which so is amazing. Was, yeah, yeah, that's is, a uh, deliberate this, thing that they did. These kind of details like really puts you, really gets you immersed into the, the Star Wars universe even more. I love it every time they go back to Camino. So I'm hoping they go back to Camino in. Book of Boba Fett and like splash around As, a little bit. I mean I mean they they did they go did, back to right? Camino yeah, like yeah. like a few seconds. I was wishing I could see like um a lightsaber swishing around, you know? Because that's <laughs> where Django Fett fought uh, Obi Wan on the platform before they took off. Yeah. Oh that's it's I, I love this little bit in the uh Boba Fett documentary where Daniel Logan who played young Boba Fett mm-hmm. in episode 2 and then return the voice the character in Clone Wars and, and yep. in Rebels right and then he says uh, that when he met Timur Morrison on the set Timur Morrison goes to him and says so I'm going to be playing your dead you call <laughs> me dead and I call you son and it's so cute <laughs> 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 yeah, and then yeah, yeah. goes alright dad 
All right, son. Inish Kiwi accent. Yeah. And I think, like, the relationship between Django and Boba is one of the uh, few emotional things that works for me in episode two. Because uh, episode mm. two is full of emotional things that don't work. <laughs> 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 but, like, that moment where you see him holding the helmet and, like, touching his temple with the helmet, and it's, like, genuinely kind of sad. And, uh, okay, this is kind of the start of darkness. Uh, right? Going going back to that, um, um, the reason that when Boba picked up uh, Django's helmet, uh, the head doesn't come off. It's because <laughs> it's because the head already flew off while it was in the air. While Mason the, you, right, you yeah. can see in the shadow <laughs> that happened. You know, because if you go we, back to Attack of the Clones and rewatch that scene again. Because we've all seen that uh, someone has like photoshopped the head like, dropping <laughs> out of the helmet. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there are actually two. Sh- Two round shadows on the ground. You can see. So basically, is the head coming out of the helmet, of the helmet. before it hits the ground. So there's a little bit in the Boba Fett documentary that I'm gonna keep on referring to, but I haven't seen this episode of Clone Wars yet. But it's Mace Windu holding Django's helmet and saying, "This is a bounty hunter that I killed." Like, what is that? I don't. Do you remember? I, actually, I don't remember it I... because it's like somehow Mace Windu got a hold of Django's helmet and is talking about it in an episode of Clone Wars somewhere. So is that, it possibly it involves like a boba on a on a heist or something? Like, but teen boba, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I don't remember him wearing the helmet, so he must have like uh, left it somewhere. On yeah, because the helmet was like banged up, and then Mace Windu just, was holding it, and he was saying just to it. have just to have like Mace Windu shooked up or something. Right, yeah, yeah to to give him like trauma flashbacks. I think, I think about that it. was it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, there isn't a lot to talk about in this first episode. We'll have more to talk about when we come back kind of in the middle of the run after episode three or four. And we're going to do the same kind of structure that we did for our Bat Batch episodes, the Batch Updates episodes, if you listen to those. So we did an in-depth kind of review of the pilot movie, and then we came checked in in the middle, and then we finished it out at the very end. So we're going to do the same thing-ish. I want to add that uh, if you remember that um, when Boba Fett was uh, in the Dune Sea uh, with the with the kid Tuscan, um, and then there were there was a bunch of raiders at this homestead, like killing the the owner, and then like drawing graffiti on the wall of the homestead. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, and I think yes. someone went back and said that that is the letter K. Yes, in Nal Hatiz. In Hatiz, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, what does this mean? It was like... Uh, Kathleen K? Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> we solved it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on Reddit. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I, I mean, like, I'm thinking through, like, going through all the criminal organizations in my mind. What... Which criminal organization starts with a key? I, I don't. I don't seem to remember, recall any. Sun, but spell it <laughs> Crimson Dawn. Crimson it's like Dawn. Mortal Kombat. Yes, yes, key. exactly. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> we just rebranded. You know, we thought that it wasn't cool enough to spell Crimson a normal way of C. Or so maybe, re-branded. or maybe it's Akira with a K. 
<laughs> no, this is where like you kind of go off the deep end and then you get disappointed when the thing isn't the specific <laughs> thing that you want. Like I said, for a long time, my pet theory of Ray's origins is that one day uh, Obi-Wan was very lonely in the desert Tatooine and met a particularly attractive Tuscan Raider. So, I mean, that is why she has the arm wraps and everything. Like, she has a staff. Like, it's a gaffy stick. It makes sense. It makes sense. Ray is a Tuscan Raider. But half Tuscan Raider and half Obi-Wan. Returns. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> nobody can change my head cannon. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Honestly, I would like this to be a slightly lower key show. I don't mm-hmm. think it has to be as epic as Mandalorian was. I, I think that if every single Star Wars thing that comes out is kind of operating at that level, after a while it would be a little bit overwhelming. So and, <laughs> and I feel like I mean I yeah go ahead. We are still getting uh, another season of Mandalorian, right? We just we haven't announced it yet. We don't know when is it coming out, but it's probably like. I don't. I don't even know if they're shooting it right now. I this don't think year? they're shooting it right now. Right, because I think since we had season one in twenty nineteen and season two in twenty twenty, everyone was hoping season three twenty twenty one and then onwards and onwards and onwards. So when you break kind of the momentum, you know, and you do like the Sherlock thing, like I think you you might <laughs> lose some people, but at the same time, there's going to be so much other stuff. There's going to be the Cassian Andor series and it'll be one series mm-hmm. and Ahsoka and uh, the Acolyte and all of this other stuff down the line. So in in a funny way, I think like this first episode is a little bit of a preview of the Obi-Wan series because it's also like there's a guy wandering around Tatooine (laughs) 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 having a run with Tusken Raiders and I feel like that's going to be kind of how how the series speaking of Tusken Raiders do you remember this uh, Jedi Tusken called Asherat Asherat Head Head? yes and who became uh, Darth Krayt Darth Krayt in the expanded yeah in the the expanded universe I I want him to be in the canon but I don't want him to appear in Boba Fett I want him to appear in of course the Kenobi series because uh, because Obi-Wan actually fought with uh, Asharad Head when he's uh, already he, he, he already abandoned the Jedi Order and live as a Tuscan full time right so right, right now we're kind of playing the game of how much of EU stuff are they pulling in because like you know, we've already seen very significant parts of the EU, like mm. Thrawn and things like that, being incorporated mm-hmm, yep. into the mainland canon. And now people are hoping, uh, like, if they do Arden Lin, if your fan theory does come true, <laughs> then that would be like, okay, we, uh, you know, everything, it's it's all open season, it's fair game. Anything that we want, all of our other streams can all come true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that because I feel like it's a tricky thing. Honestly, I think a lot of the problems with Rise of Skywalker are because they were trying mm-hmm. to incorporate bits and pieces of the EU kind of unsuccessfully in into it into in like a, a panic after the Last Jedi to like appease fans. Like, okay, okay, do you want Hobbit to come back? You want you don't you like that? Don't you like that? Don't you like that? So I hope that we don't <laughs> find ourselves in that mode of oh okay 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 because I think like this is a thing that that is plaguing I feel popular culture. What I call look here's yeah. that thing you like. And certainly it can be done very well. I feel like in Spider-Man No Way Home, it's done very well. And there are other things where, like in Space Jam and New Legacy, it's not done very well oh. at all. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of funny that Space Jam and New Legacy came out in the same year as The Matrix Resurrections, which kind of also does the thing of Warner Brothers IP and reinventing mm. franchises. But anyway, we're going off on a bit of a tangent. I think that's about all we have to say about The Book of Boba Fett, the first episode. Is there anything else that you want to add, Asmi? 
Um, nothing much. I just hope that maybe like Howard the Duck would appear somewhere in the background in the cantina or something. Right. Yeah. That's that's going to be martini. our new Mephisto. <laughs> the new Mephisto is Howard the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I okay. I want him to ride a dinosaur. Just like he did in the it, in in I, in the, uh, the holiday special, <laughs> just let Boba Fett ride a dinosaur, please. Yes, and also I want I want I want to say um, I thought I saw the Boston Dynamics the dog thing. Oh, Spot! Yeah, the the not yeah. creepy at all, like Black Mirror robot. Yeah, like, yeah there were a few of those running around in the marketplace, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's 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 so cool. I was like, I I had to take a uh, do a double take. I was like, wait, is it a Boston Dynamics dog? It's like, yeah, it is. It is right because uh, one one thing that is fun is that now and and we always perceive. I think especially because of the prequels, we all think of Star Wars as something that's being very visual effects heavy and dependent mm-hmm. on a lot of CGI and green screen and stuff is all fake. But they're building a lot of stuff, and I think even with this, uh, what do they call it? I keep on forgetting the name of the technology. But it's basically the big oh, the, the, the LED, LED screen. Tent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it this this space or something. The, the, there's a name like for it there's a yeah, name for yeah, it yeah. and and it is being used on other things now like it's being used on the new Batman um, yeah that Greg Fraser who was the cinematographer just, on Mandalorian I mean, is doing here is me defending the prequels um, not a, basically half of the prequels are actually shot with miniatures and right, not just yeah. screen yeah right exactly and it was shot on film thank you the the prequels were shot on film. <laughs> I thought the prequels were shot on on digital. No, in episode one only. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so okay, yeah, the thing yeah. is called stagecraft, the uh, the yeah, giant yeah. video wall thing. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that like it it really works. All of the backgrounds in Book of Boba Fett look nice, and I mean it's it's always nice to see like the, here's here's the thing, right? I mean I think we were discussing this. I was discussing mm-hmm. this with a friend, and we were saying that. In the real world, the reason why we don't see a lot of alien main characters in live-action Star Wars is because it is difficult to do a main character in makeup and animatronics. Uh, in in universe in the canon, it's because the Empire is racist, because yeah. they <laughs> they are human supremacists. So I think that's something something which I would like to see further explored. It's always nice to see like Twi'leks running around. It's nice to see yeah. Rodians running around, and we got yeah. a lot of those. In they Book don't even Fett. like clones, as we can see in the Bad Batch. Oh yeah, they're, they're sort of like supremacists against clones, and and I I hope that there's more stuff where you see Boba working through or at least talking about his relationship with Jango, and mm-hmm. kind of the legacy of the clones, and and because there is that that little bit right where Bo-Katan has a little like testy exchange with mm-hmm. Boba, and is like, oh you know I. I've yeah, heard your Mandalorian. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I I've I've heard your voice like a hundred times from all of these different people. And uh yeah, so the yeah, the whole thing, right? The whole thing of is Boba a real Mandalorian, is Django a real Mandalorian, which they resolved in Mandalorian by saying that Django is a foundling and finally put rest mm. to that. Because for a long time <laughs> the rumor was, oh, he's a fake, right? It's stolen valor, it's not mm. it's not Vascar, it's Dura Steel, it's just pretending. And then they were like, No, no, actually he is legit. And I hope that that's something that they talk about a little bit more in Book of Boba Fett as well, like where he falls in that legacy, uh, in, in Jester's legacy and all of that stuff. So we'll see what happens with that. Look, here is me trying to prove that I'm a real fan, throwing out <laughs> random things I read on Wikipedia. <laughs> all right, that's all we have for you guys. Thank you for listening to Five Stars and That's No Moon. I'm Azmi and this is Jet. Thank you. Happy New Year. May the Force be with you always.
Five stars. And that's no moon.